Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the Foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Antworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. Today, we have a gold star to hand out, a couple of detentions to hand out, and one big NBA-related thesis. If you haven't been able to tell, we are trying to get out more episodes per week and go a little bit shorter with each of them so you still get to digest all the stuff you want. We're hitting you more often and more frequently. So, without further ado, let's dive in. First gold star is going to Nikias Duncan of Basketball News Network. We're going to give Nikias a gold star here because he's become a must-follow. To be frank, he was probably a must-follow before, uh, but he had quite a week on Twitter. Uh, he had a new words alert, in which he got a shout-out from me because I really enjoyed his words on the young and upcoming Houston Rockets. The the truth is he also you know had some good Rockets talk with his Shaq versus Hakeem Olajuwon conversation that he tried to spark. He always does a good job with NBA Twitter threads, but most recently he's been threading tweets as he's watching more relevant pop culture shows like Euphoria, or this week the references were to Snowfall, but here's the really, really funny thing about Nikias' tweets as he was watching Snowfall this week. They timed up with the Russian invasion, and the double entendres of sorts he laid out were, frankly, the only humor on the timeline worth reading. Things like, in all caps, how does he keep getting away with it, replied with, whoo, as in, something to have to do with snowfall, I'm not going to give too much by the show away, but I will say, that was sent out in the middle of the night on the 23rd. Oh, now that's some big news. Also, on the night of the 23rd, as Russia's invading, is, uh, frankly, well-timed, well Nikias. And the series of tweets that went, everyone's losing their minds, is that who I think it is? LMBO. Oh, this is going to get all kinds of messy. I don't trust this dude at all. Now, each of those tweets, if you go to the top of the thread, was in reference to what was happening in Snowfall that Nikias was watching and detailing his reactions to. 
which is funny. But the double entendre, the double play here for Nikias gets a gold star because, again, there was very little to find funny in what was going on, obviously. People try to get their jokes off on Twitter, and it's ill-timed. Obviously, we're going to send our condolences and heartfelt. We're all thinking about Ukraine these days. But man, Nikias with the well-timed tweets that were about snowfall, but were also a double-edged sword with some comedy in what was going on in the world, felt weirdly appropriate, but it was also like the only thing I could find a laugh at. I was just staying up all night long, scrolling through my phone on Wednesday night. Shout out to Nikias for, I guess, Tuesday and Wednesday night, really. Shout out to Nikias for that one anyway, regardless of what night it was specifically, because I was scrolling through all night, both nights. Nikias gets the gold star for that. That was a lot of fun. Shouts to Nikias. Speaking of getting gold stars and detentions from Twitter, we're going to give a detention to both Jack Settleman and Darren Ravel for, maybe you call me a biased Texan here, but for a grotesque barbecue take. So Settleman was at NBA All-Star Weekend in Cleveland. He tweeted out a picture of a very normal looking barbecue plate from this place called Maples, which is actually like right behind the Quicken Loans Arena, like right behind where the Cavs play where the All-Star game was. He tweeted out a picture of a very average looking barbecue plate, uh, at least average if you know anything about barbecue. It looks like it's got some sort of, it's yellowy there, so I'm going to call that a coleslawish because it looks coleslawish. It's also next to pickles. Three relatively small pork ribs, a cup of potato salad, and a piece of what looks like rye bread and he said quote did not expect some of the best barbecue of my life to come from cleveland ohio but here we are with a flame emoji darren Ravel also tweeted out following retweeted jack settlement i should say with mabel's top 10 barbecue in the country now here's what's really funny and there's a longer story here but my brother and i went to cleveland ohio to watch a lebron james basketball game and we went to mabel's barbecue behind the quicken loans arena this must have been 2017 my brother was in college in ohio not in cleveland but in the state of ohio and kyrie irving was definitely still on the calves because it was bobblehead night and frankly we got a we each got a Kyrie Irving bobblehead i want to say it was after they won it all in 2016 so it must have been that 16 17 season because that's the last time kyrie was in cleveland uh so anyway that's the season we go and we go and we end up at mabel's behind because I'm from Texas. I'm trying to find barbecue. He's obviously also from Texas, but living in Ohio at the time. And it's a way to, quote, find a taste of home. And Mabel's Barbecue is good. It was not a bad barbecue joint. Might have been a little overpriced, but it was fine. It was good barbecue or whatever right there behind the stadium. We went there before the game earlier that day. Here's the thing. I know Darren Ravel likes to tweet bad food takes relatively often. I haven't seen that out of Jack Sullivan, but also I decided to stop following a guy that brags about his million-plus Snapchat following on his Twitter bio. So I stopped that a long time ago. So maybe he does tweet out bad food takes more often than not. This one just came across my timeline. As I was saying, Mabel's Barbecue is fine. It's really fine. It's good. It's better than your, like, run-of-the-mill chain joint. It's pretty good for what I was expecting out of Cleveland. It was, frankly, probably better than I thought I was going to get in Cleveland, especially if you'd asked me the week or days before or whatever. But what I will say is, and Darren Ravel ought to know this as someone who does like way too much research about way too many smaller things, there are probably a dozen places in Central Texas better than Mabel's Barbecue. If there are a dozen places in Central Texas better than Mabel's Barbecue, sorry, Darren, it can't be top 10 in the country. It wouldn't be top 10 in a handful of counties in the middle of Texas. There are probably another half dozen to 10 places in North Dallas or in Dallas area that are also better than Mabel's Barbecue. 
there are a number of places in Houston, again, it's probably somewhere between six and a dozen, that are better than Mabel's Barbecue. There are also places in Tennessee, in North Carolina, there are places in Florida, like everyone does good barbecue. I just particularly went to the Texas ones because A, that's my best frame of reference, and B, Mabel's is made to be like Texas barbecue. It can't be a top 10 place in the country at something if it's trying to mimic a different region's food also in the country, right? It's not like they're trying to mimic Italian food and so like, well, what Americans going to be able to mimic Italian food just like Italy or whatever. They're trying to mimic Texas barbecue in a different state. There are going to be a lot more places in Texas that are doing the thing originally and better than this silly Mabel's barbecue. So while that's not necessarily a sports take, and Jack Settlement is not someone I would follow if you're trying to get into sports Twitter, because frankly, again, kind of a gross follow. Kind of a gross follow. Lots of stuff about New York sports teams and this and that, and big into the top shot industry and really like thinks it's going to continue to take off and this and that and it makes you feel dumb for not being invested in all those nfts and all those kinds of things and again i go back to the kind of fantasy person on twitter that points out how many snapchat followers they have in their bio not going to sit here and plug that guy a lot that's not a great thing anyway so detention to both jack settlement and dan ravel for a I'm not going to say gross food take. Mabel's is good, but the wrong food take is not top 10 in the country. And if Jack Settlement's had the mo- that's the best bar he's ever had, I'm sorry, man. You continue to live a sad life. All right, so we have one NBA-related thesis for this show. It's going to be a little bit of a doozy, kind of a lot of talk about the MVP this week. So without further ado, let's dive in to the thesis. All right. So our lone thesis for this week that gets us into a lot of NBA talk goes as follows. DeMar DeRozan will win the NBA's MVP award this season. Now, DeMar's got a lot of great chatter online. There's a great article written by a friend of the show, Marin Fader, last week about DeMar DeRozan. It's really great insight into how great of a person DeRozan is. And I think that's worth keeping in mind as we talk about basketball here. Like, as Marin outlined in her piece for The Ringer, he is a great person, and frankly, he's having a great season, but I'm going to give that thesis a D. Again, DeMar DeRozan won the NBA MVP this season. I'm going D. I just, I just don't, I just don't see it. All right, so again, the thesis reads, DeMar DeRozan won the NBA MVP this season, and I went with a D. Uh, no pun intended for DD, but I just don't see it happening. I guess if if that's the thesis and that's what people are going with online as far as like DeMar DeRozan's the NBA's MVP, uh, we probably have to outline why that's really an argument or why it's really a conversation. And as best I see it, here's the case for that happening. He is the best player on what could be called the best team, right? Uh, Chicago is a real shot at the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. He's the clear-cut closer, right? He had the two back-to-back buzzer beaters around the turn of the year. He's obviously their best scorer. He, he's getting the most points per game on the team at just over 28. He's having one of the best scoring years of his career. Uh, he's also shooting over 50% from the field. He's got, again, the most points per game of any game of any season in his career. He's an all-star for the first time since he left Toronto, which I feel is like it's also important because those San Antonio years kind of get mixed up down there. Uh, he's also getting over five assists and over five rebounds, and that shows great balance. Again, considering he's a true shooting guard, like his job is typically to score, so doing both those things is frankly impressive as well. 
And that, that makes for a decent argument, right? That makes for an argument that sounds MVP like the best player on the best team, right? If Chicago gets the one seed and he's their best player by a lot, like clear cut best player, I, I guess I would have a hard time like not understanding it, but it's just not what I think is going to happen. While DeMar DeRozan getting over 28 points per game at the time of recording this is leading the team, I think it's worth pointing out that Zach Levine also has 24 and a half points per game and it's also shooting 48% from the field, which if you're looking at him shooting 48% and getting 24 points per game and DeMar DeRozan is getting 28 points per game at 51% and you factor in that like DeRozan is getting a couple more shots per game too and what does that shake out if you just give Levine more of those shots? He's also Levine's also more of a three-point threat and we talked about before on the show how that spreads the floor in a different way. Worth pointing out that Nikola Vucevic, big old Vooch, He's also getting almost 18 points per game on about 47% shooting, also getting up more threes. And he's not quite shooting the same clip as DeRozan, but shooting a higher volume of those. They also have Kobe White coming in and getting about 14 points a game. They also have Lonzo Ball coming in about 13 points a game. And Lonzo Ball is distributing the ball extremely well. I know he's only got five assists per game this year, but I do think it's worth pointing out, like visually, eye test wise, when you're looking at Lonzo Ball, he's doing a great job distributing the basketball. Obviously not quite like his younger brother, at least as far as the highlights go, but definitely a very efficient passer, a great passer for that offense. The other issue with this is, even if you could tell me he is the best player on that team, and like, bar none, take out Levine, take out Vooch, he's the best player, blah, 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 blah. I'm not sure they're the best team in the league, right? Out West, Phoenix is currently, I guess they're, they're playing the Jazz, but currently they're up by 10 games on where Chicago is. Golden State and Memphis both also have more wins this season than Chicago has. Even in the East, Miami is currently, again at the time recording this, ahead of Chicago. Philly is just two games behind, and they traded, which on the floor shakes out to being Seth Curry for James Harden, right? Because they traded also, you know, obviously Seth Curry was in the Ben Simmons deal, but as far as on-floor production goes, Ben Simmons wasn't on the floor this year. So on the floor, they traded Seth Curry for James Harden, and we've seen two games of them together now, and that's a lot of fun. And so, I don't know that Philly doesn't jump them out east. And then while we're talking about out east, as difficult as that conference is, like, yeah, if Chicago could get the one seed or the two seed or the three seed or whatever, do we really think that, like, they're better than Brooklyn if Brooklyn's all healthy and together and when they play in the playoffs? Or do we really think that they're better than Milwaukee as Milwaukee clearly is, like, pacing themselves in the regular season for another big run in the playoffs? Like, I... I, I get best player on best team in the league as an argument. And if they get the one seed out East, I guess technically you have to call them the best team in the East going into the playoffs. But that doesn't mean that the best team in the league. And I'm not sure that I, I feel comfortable giving them the best team in the East either, even though I guess they win the most game. Anyway, Miami, I think worth pointing out, is currently ahead of them and will be getting a number of guys back more frequently, right? They had a number of injuries and illnesses and whatever. They had a bunch of guys on 10 days for the first part of the season, and they're still at the top of the conference. I think that's all worth pointing out because as they get healthier and better and more fluid on the floor, they're going to continue to roll through the Eastern Conference. So I, I just don't see that happening from that perspective. I think the other thing to keep in mind here is that we all want to jump to these fun stories for MVP. Over the last 15 years at least, but frankly, the further back you only made history, it gets to still be closer to 50-50. But in the last 15 years, the best predictor for who's going to win the NBA's MVP has been the win shares for 48 minutes. Currently, worth pointing out, DeMar DeRozan is 16th in win shares for 48 minutes in the NBA. And I think that's why 
I can't get too high in this thesis and sit at a D. Now, folks may be like, Ainsworth, you're a history teacher. That's a math nerd term. Why are you being a math nerd? So let's talk a little bit about what that number means. In the simplest terms, win shares for 48 minutes are assigned to NBA players based on their offensive production, defensive production, or like defensive production with them on the floor, I should say, and how much they play in a game. So like if you have a super efficient two minutes, it's just two minutes. It doesn't help you a whole lot. A win share is considered a third of a game. So if your team wins 50 games, your team will have 150 win shares on its roster in total. And that's divided up based on how much you are a part of those wins and what games and, and so on, right? Win shares per 48 minutes are your share of the wins divided by how many minutes you played in the sh- in your share of the wins and then uh, multiplied times the 48 minutes of an NBA game. That's a long way to say that the way to improve your win shares per minute are to maximize your time on the floor on both ends and also play a lot of minutes. So it's not just being a hyper-efficient six-man. It's not just being a hyper-efficient role player. The more you're on the floor while your team is doing well on defense and the more you're doing with the ball in your hands on offense, the better your win shares for 48 minutes are. In the last 15 years, the leader of the win shares for 48 minutes in 12 of those seasons has gone on to win the MVP. The three times it did not happen because theoretically DeMar DeRozan winning the award this year would be one of those times that it does not happen. In 2017, Russell Westbrook. Now, worth pointing out that Russell Westbrook was in 10th place in in Winchester 48 minutes, so he wasn't second, but the leader was Kevin Durant. 2017, you may remember, is the year Kevin Durant went to Golden State. That's his first season as a Warrior, and he's leading the league in Winchester 48 minutes. But voters aren't going to go with the guy that just pissed off the entire NBA stratosphere by, quote, ruining the league and joining the 73-win Warriors. They were, he was not ever going to be an MVP conversation. It's probably worth pointing out Steph Curry was also in the top 10. But because those two guys were essentially taken out of the voting because people didn't feel right about choosing one of those two and picking one of the guys that just made the super team and so on, the guys that were also in the top 10 were like Kawhi Leonard came in second this that season didn't play as many games right played 70 games 74 games that year so missed a handful of games but it wasn't the season he missed all of the games Kawhi Leonard also was in the MVP running James Harden came in fifth that season in win shares of 48 minutes played 81 games remember he was also top two in voting that season Russ Westbrook came in 10th and he ended up winning the award Again, I think once you have to take that out of it, because you can't just look at Durant's on-the-floor performance that year because you're not going to vote for him for these off-the-floor issues, you find the off-the-floor storyline. Russell Westbrook came in 10th, but averaged a triple-double, right? That was the first time we'd seen that. It ends up being the first of four and five years for him. But it was the first time we'd seen that since Oscar Robertson, right? And all the hoopla and the fun and the whatnot, the chaos of that year surrounding that with him became this big off-the-floor story because we're doing some arbitrary counting stats. Now, we can do a separate thesis some other time when we get to kind of the slow doldrums of summer sports about why I kind of like scoff at that. But regardless, that became an off-the-floor storyline for Russell Westbrook in 2017, and we weren't going to give it to the guy who was having the best year on the floor. 2011 feels fairly similar. 2011 the award went to Derrick Rose, but LeBron James led the league in win shares for 48 minutes. For whatever it's worth, Derrick Rose also came in 10th that season in win shares for 48 minutes. Right behind LeBron James, you had in second place Dwight Howard. No one likes him. 
third place, you had Pau Gasol, but everyone felt like that was really Kobe's team, right? And so there's something there. And Chris Paul came in fourth, and no one likes him. Da da da. You keep going up and down the roster. That's the year Chris Paul was still in New Orleans, for what it's worth. But as you go up and down the roster, in 2011, much like Kevin Durant in 2017, LeBron had just formed this giant super team down in Miami. People weren't going to vote for him, even if he was having the best year on the floor. Again, he was in front of win shares for 48 minutes by a lot, by a full hundredth of a point. For reference, he was the gap between one and two that year, between he and Dwight Howard, is as big as the gap between two and six that year. Six was his teammate, Dwayne Wade. Like the, the gap is catastrophic. That's a big, big margin to be in the lead on this award in, and LeBron James was. However, if we go back to Derrick Rose here, Derrick Rose was having a phenomenal year, also in Chicago. Rose was having a phenomenal season. Again, he went 25 points, 7.5 assists, 4 rebounds. He had Chicago back, right? People got to remember that Chicago had been down for so long, and he brought the franchise back. They finished atop the NBA at 62-20, and 20, and it, it felt like this heir apparent, and were they building a team that could really rival the super team in Miami without having to go to the super team well, right? They drafted Derrick Rose. They drafted Joachim Noah. They had, I guess, traded with Phoenix for Luol Deng on draft night, right? So in a way, they drafted Luol Deng. And as we look at that team, it felt like Derrick Rose was this young MVP caliber player that was the face of the antithesis of what's happening in Miami. And so, again, if you're going to off-the-floor things, you end up with a guy like Derrick Rose. The third instance in the last 15 years that this happened was people know that I like watching Steve Nash play basketball. Steve Nash's second MVP happened in 2006, and he also came in 10th. So there's something about this idea of coming in 10th in the win share 48 minutes bit. Steve Nash and Phoenix were a great story. Dirk led the league in win shares 48 minutes 2006. He for what it's worth, also got the NBA Finals, had a great, great season, and ends up winning the MVP the next year. Well, I don't think this was a slight to Dirk in the same way it was a slight to Durant or a slight to LeBron. I think the omission of Dirk getting the 06 MVP, and frankly, the reason you could argue, like, metaphorically sparks this great playoff run because he's upset that his buddy Steve Nash got or whatever, is really about what we were watching Steve Nash and Phoenix do this was the second time, second season in a row, he got the MVP award and how they were truly changing basketball. The increase in pace of play, the threes, the three-point shots on the break, all those kinds of things were really innovative and inventive and new. What D'Antoni and Steve Nash and Mari Sotomayor and Sean Marion, all those team, that team was doing was changing basketball and the MVP award in an off-the-floor kind of situation because we're not looking at who won the Winchester 48 minutes that year off-the-court situation led to this guy that's in charge of the face of changing the way basketball is played. Steve Nash, it's worth pointing out, and the Phoenix Suns played at what would be considered a slow pace in today's game, but at the first, it was first place in pace in 2006 by a long shot. 
worth pointing out that not only, I guess they technically came in second in the Western Conference, San Antonio, although San Antonio felt much more like a team and how do you pick a face and so on. They're post David Robinson, but it was also Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu and all the things going on there. As you look at Phoenix, they had to, they did get to the Western Conference Finals and lost to Dallas in a six-game series in the Western Conference Finals without Amari Stoudemire. Right, Amari Stoudemire got injured earlier that, that postseason. And as you look at that team, the face of that team and the face of this movement to change basketball was Steve Nash, and so Steve Nash got the award. Again, those are the only three times over the last 15 seasons that the person who led the league in win shares for 48 minutes did not win the MVP that season. DeMar DeRozan, again, currently sits in 16th on that version of the leaderboard on, on in win shares 48 minutes in the NBA. And so as I look at it, I think I have a hard time really giving him that award. And looking at who I do think could win the award, I think that currently you're looking at atop that win shares 48 minutes list is Nikola Jokic. Now, Jokic did just win an MVP last season, but as you look at him, not only is he leading the league in win shares 48 minutes, He's also averaging roughly the same amount of points. He's at 25.8. He was at 26.4 a year ago. He's averaging roughly the same assists. He had eight assists per game this season. He had 8.3 a year ago. He's averaging noticeably more rebounds at 13.7 this year to his 10.8 a year ago. And again, if you watch the way that Denver plays, you also understand the impact that he has as a creator in the way that their offense goes. There's not a center that's better at passing the basketball in the NBA, bar none. The way he creates as a point guard or a point center atop the key or, or just outside the three-point line from the top with a bunch of one-handed passes and those kinds of things, his vision's incredible. I, I just think it's worth pointing out that while he might not have the defensive stature that a Giannis has, he absolutely could be a back-to-back MVP this season. He's also worth pointing out like one of only two guys to ever like shoot 10 for 10 or better from the field and get a triple double. And, and he, he's just a special basketball player that I think historically speaking, we're going to look back on and be like, no, he probably should have a couple of MVP awards. He really did dominate the NBA. Why not call him one this season? The guy who's second on that win shares for 48 minutes statistic is Giannis. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, worth pointing out since his MVP seasons in 2018-19 and 2019-20 has actually probably been playing better basketball than he did in those MVP seasons. Uh, he's currently at 29.4 points per game, currently at six assists, currently at 11.3 rebounds. That's all in the same vein as where they were when he was winning the MVP in 2020, when he was winning the MVP in 2019. And worth pointing out, He's doing it now with less usage. They've got a better team around him now, and he's still putting up the same statistics. He's playing less minutes. He's having to do less and still putting up the same kind of production as far as his counting stats go. And I think it's that's all valuable. When you're talking about most valuable player, a guy that you can use less but still kills you for nearly 30 a game is valuable. As I look at Giannis's gameplay this season I think one of the biggest growths and Giannis as a player from two or three years ago to where he is now is the creativity he's got with his moves on the bounce going from outside the three-point line to the key now he's not and the, the skill versus whatever debate from a few years back with James Harden he's not a guy that's got like 28 moves like Kyrie Irving does 
But he is a guy that has two moves and two counters, and that's it. Two or three years ago, he had like a move and like a half a counter, right? He has gotten better in those areas as he's attacking the cup. And he's still this explosive, crazy athlete that really, really hurts you on his way there. He's a true brute force, big, broad shoulder, super strong, crazy athletic, great bounce on his way to the basket. The deal with him versus Jokic to me comes down to, while he's not quite the passer and creator, although he's not, he's a very good passer, not a bad creator, it's just Jokic is that good on the defensive end, he's leaps and bounds ahead of Jokic. And when you actually break down how their win shares play out, his are much closer to balance than Jokic's are. I say closer to balance because the idea of a defensive win share he still has a 7 on offense and a 2.8 on defense. It's still not like there's a, there's a giant gap there. Jokic's is just even bigger. Jokic's also has the 7.7 on offense and therefore is going to be higher overall because of the way the metric shapes out. I think it's also worth pointing out that as we look at this, Joel Embiid is not 1 or 2 in this contest right now. He's in 4th. Jimmy Butler is not one or two in this contest right now, he's in sixth. For what it's worth, Rudy Gobert is in third. I don't think anyone's giving Rudy Gobert the MVP unless he does something crazy in these last 25-ish games I don't see coming. And Robert Williams is in fifth, and that seems like one of those weird, like, his defense gets rated super high because on the floor so much for Boston, and I'd imagine with adding Daniel Tice at the trade deadline, you actually might see him fall back down the ladder a little bit. That's not here or there. I want to talk about Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler. Joel Embiid is currently in fourth in win chairs per 48 minutes. That means he's in this conversation. At the time of recording this, he's averaging 29.7 points per game, the most in his career. He's averaging 11.1 rebounds per game, the second most in his career. He's averaging 4.5 assists per game, the most in his career. And it's worth pointing out that this is a all-star caliber player, all-pro caliber player, playing the best basketball of his career. And with 30 games to go, he just got handed the best gift he's ever been given. He just got a all-star, former MVP, two-guard to play alongside him that does all the creative parts for him, and he's clearly, clearly, clearly benefiting. In the game that ended versus New York just before recording this, he shot 50% from the field and had 37 points while shooting 23 for 27 from the free throw line. Now, some people say they don't like the fishing for free throws and those kinds of things, but what I see happening there as I watch the game happen is the demand James Harden puts on a defense when he comes off of a pick and roll to attack the defense sucks up a lot of guys. They then have to scramble to find Joel Embiid as he's on the receiving end as a three-level roller. He can pop, he can hit the mid-range and do all kinds of stuff from the short roll, or he can go all the way to the cup and catch the lob. And the way he puts pressure on the defense in that sense will also lead to them scrambling and ending up fouling him for 27 free throw attempts. It worked the same way in the Minnesota game when he got 13 free throw attempts and shot 18 shots. Again, he ended up with 34 points in that game. Now, I know not every team is necessarily as bad defensively as the Knicks or as the Timberwolves are, as much as that pains Thibodeau to think. What I will say, though, is that seems to be interesting indicator for how the next 30 games go, because if that's the first 
vision we see of this chemistry between James Harden and Joel Embiid. If he goes for over 30, the majority of the game's left. And if he continues to get efficient shots, like looks at the rim, open threes, and free throws, he's going to have a much better end of the season than first, than his first 50 games of the season. And he was already in the MVP conversation. He was already top five in this, for whatever reason, it's so valuable, Winshed 48 minutes statistic. He was already climbing these charts. He was already doing this. And if he has a stronger finish than he had to the start of the season, man, like I, I don't know how you don't give it to the guy. Last but not least, as far as guys I could see getting it, a lot of the DeMar DeRozan arguments for getting the award would also be applicable to a guy like Jimmy Butler. Now, I understand that while DeMar DeRozan has played a lot of games this season, and Jimmy Butler has played 42 games this season because of various injuries and illnesses and so on, that there's probably some favoritism in the guy that plays more games there. And that's totally fine. There's also some favoritism in, like, the new flavor of the week, right? We've seen Jimmy Butler in Miami. We saw that finals run in 2020 in the bubble, and... Frankly, there's, it's easy to feel like fatigued by what Butler and Miami are doing. It's also worth pointing out that while I would argue DeRozan's cast helps him out as well, everyone sees Bam Adebayo playing alongside Jimmy Butler. But this idea of best player in the best team with the best record in the East, that guy is not DeMar DeRozan. That guy is Jimmy Butler, right? Jimmy Butler is the best player in Miami currently. Now, obviously, Bam Adebayo projects to be better long-term, and he's so much younger, and who knows what's going to happen? He's a point forward. He does all these crazy things, and blah, blah, blah. I say point forward. He's really a point center, but it he passes the ball and creates so well off the balance. You have to consider it. Anyway, that's Bam Adebayo thesis. Maybe do that at a later date. But as I look at Jimmy Butler getting the most points per game he said since he was finishing up in Chicago many years ago, right? I look at him getting as many assists as he's ever got in his career, roughly. I guess last year he had closer to set. He had more like seven, but right now he's hovering around six. And he's also rebounding the ball, also playing great defense. And he's this heart and soul of a team that is atop the East, where, where we're just talking about how, like, DeMar DeRozan's Chicago Bulls could be atop of the East, right? I, I've been a big fan of Miami all year. I really like what they did and bring in championship pedigree-type players. I really think that they're a force, and Jimmy Butler is the face of that force. And so I think you got to look at them and think, you know, if you're going to give DeMar DeRozan your vote, you got to have Jimmy Butler pretty high on your ballot. And so I I don't know. I, I see Jimmy Butler as being in this as well. For for what it's worth, the couple years that I mentioned, the, the three of the last 15 that the leader in win shares for 48 minutes did not win the award, which, again, currently if the season ended right this second, that guy's Nikola Jokic, and I think that that's a fair guy to get in the MVP too. For whatever reason, all three of those guys, Westbrook in 2017, Rose in 2011, and Nash in 2006, were all 10th. At the time of recording this, the guy in 10th place in Winchester 48 minutes is Mitchell Robinson. So someone tell Tom Thibodeau that he's got the MVP there in New York, and they can't see anything done. On a more serious note, guys hovering around that 10th spot would be Chris Paul in 9th, but he's done. Kevin Durant, I guess, in Brooklyn has fallen to 13th, but if he plays, could get himself back up into that area. Carl Anthony Townsend, 14th. It would take a lot out of Minnesota to me to make them the off-the-floor story that makes him there, that gets him there, but he is someone I could see working their way up to 10. And then again, DeMar DeRozan's down at 16. You know, early in the year, I might have said LeBron James, who sits at 15th in this list currently. But 
for whatever reason, this as an indicator, if it still is that indicator, it's either Nikola Jokic or it's Mitchell Robinson or it's somewhere in between. For what it's worth, DeMar DeRozan sits outside all that looking in. So again, the thesis reads, DeMar DeRozan will win the 2022 NBA MVP. I read that and I go, D, I just don't see it. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Friends, that was another edition of FN Sports. Do you feel like you have a better idea what's going to happen in the 2022 NBA MVP race? Shout out to our editor, Chris Sliwa, for doing all the work behind the scenes. Make sure that the episodes come out clean each and every week. Chris has great, wonderful work. You can find him on Twitter at Chris underscore Sliwa7. He does all kinds of fun tweets about Boston-ish sports. Say Boston-ish because he does hit on some national landscape kind of things as well. Big, big Boston sports fan. Make sure you go give Chris a follow. You can find me and all my personal stuff on Twitter at Painsworth512. I'm again on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter. I'll tweet random things like a bunch of L's on sneakers. No, I did not get the purple and gold ones. Former co-host of mine, Shaka Cummings, and I talked back and forth on text message about how many different things that those purple and gold ones could go with. But the truth is, I just wanted them because they were different, and no, I did not get them I also do my daily Wordle, so you make sure you check up with me on Twitter there. I'll do all kinds of talk about the Rockets, the Longhorns, and other various sports sadness of mine because, for whatever reason, all of my teams tend to make me more sad. So, of course, that means I watch them relentlessly. This show is on Instagram and Twitter at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram and at FN Sports 2 on Twitter. That's F I N S B R T S number 2 on Twitter, all one word. On Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. For both of those, if you go to the link tree in their bio, you can get to all of our different sponsors, including my bookie, where you can use code FN Sports to double your deposit up to a thousand US dollars. You can go to the Beard Struggle, where you use FN Sports 15, and you can get 15% off all of your bearded needs. And then you can also go to our link to Yeti to get all your cups, coolers, and koozies, any insulated needs you got from Yeti. It's great stuff. Make sure you go check out the website through the link in our link tree to help support the show. Also in that link tree, you find links to our merch store. We're wrapping up Black History Month, and our Black History Month campaign was the 42 campaign in which we had some blue and white with a little bit of red designed 42 merch. All proceeds from that campaign went to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to help give scholarships to kids 
who go to HBCUs and PBI. So make sure you go check out that sweatshirt and t-shirt. We're going to keep those up for a while to make sure people, if people want to get those, they can. For the month of March, we're giving an orange campaign out in which we are giving out orange sweatshirts and t-shirts, the big F on the front for FN Sports. All proceeds from that in honor of Women's History Month will be donated to the Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas area. Planned Parenthood does great things for women's health. The Greater Texas area needs that as much as anyone. So we're going to make sure all the proceeds from that campaign get sent to Planned Parenthood Greater Texas. Make sure you go grab yourself an orange t-shirt or a sweatshirt off of the merch store. Again, you can access that through the social media handles FN Sports 2 on Twitter or F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram. Both of those link trees will get you to the store. So make sure you go check that out. While you're listening to this, thank you for listening. Make sure you do all the wonderful things to help out the podcast. That's rate, review, listen to it on a couple different services. But whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.